Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Those are the first three verses of Psalm 136, and which begins our podcast today, Friday, April the 9th, 2021, the Friday after Easter. So we begin with the lesson from Daniel, and so Daniel is hearing a word from the Lord, at that time shall arise Michael, who is an archangel, the great prince, who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as has never been since there was a nation until that time. And so he is receiving a prophetic word here that has to do with the end of times. And and it's a time of trouble. Tribulation would be another good word for it there, such as has never been seen since there was a nation until that time. And, And But Daniel here in this is told to seal up this book. He's not going to give us any further prophecy, just that this time will come of great trouble, but the people will be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And then he goes on to say, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So this is the end. And so clearly Daniel was given a vision that he was not allowed to share. It hard as a prophet, I would think, to be given a word and a vision about what's to come and then told not to share that word, to seal it in the book. It's waited for John, I believe, to open that book. John of, of the Revelator, as he is sometimes known, the one who, who had the vision of the apocalypse that we commonly know as the Revelation. So it, it, it awaited a further time when that information could be revealed because in the meantime, something else had to happen, and that something else was Jesus. And so Daniel got a word about all those things, but it's possible Daniel didn't fully understand that word unless he was also given the word about Jesus. But but if he was, it was something else that he wasn't allowed to share. The reality, though, is, is that the people among whom Daniel was in the Babylonians, particularly the Chaldeans, the one who Daniel saved from being put to death because they couldn't tell King Nebuchadnezzar both his dream and its interpretation. And they said, nothing's ever been done like that before. You tell us the dream, we'll give you the interpretation. He said, no, you've got to give me both. And so here, Daniel comes and says, I can do that through God. And so the Chaldeans, the descendants of the ones who Daniel saved, had clearly studied the books that were important to Daniel and to his people. And so they're the ones who come, the Magi, who come at the birth of Jesus. They saw something that the Jews themselves didn't see in those books. They saw this sign of the star. And we know that that the Jews hadn't seen it because they didn't accompany the Magi in following that star. And so something was revealed through Daniel to the nations that seems not to have been revealed to his own people. And so they came at that in response to the sign that they had been given. They were the ones who looked at the stars. They were astrologers slash astronomers. And that was true until about the 18th century that there was a connection between astrology and astronomy and it was difficult to separate the two. So they came 
because of what they saw in Daniel. And so Daniel sealed the book and put away those things. But these people who studied Daniel's words and also studied the book that had influenced Daniel came. They saw something different. It was a sign for them that it was not a sign necessarily for the Jews. But they said, this is the king of the Jews is the one who is being prophesied and fulfilled in this prophecy of this star. So Daniel gives this prophecy, and then is, or is given the prophecy, and he gives the part of it that he can give, and that is there's going to be a time of trouble such like you've never seen before, but your people will be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And then he begins to say, but everybody won't be. And then he's told to put it away and then say, go your way till the end and you'll find rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of days. So it's a matter of what do we know and when do we know it and, and how do we know these things? And Daniel has to just keep those things hidden in his heart. God didn't want that revelation to come forth yet, but he blessed Daniel with that revelation. And again, like I've said all week long, sometimes... You're the only one who knows something. You're the one who, who believes God said something. And, and to sit on that and to hold it in your heart and not share it with the world is a hard thing to do. But sometimes it's exactly what God wants us to do is to just have quiet confidence in Him, not to share that with everybody else in the world to get their affirmation or confirmation, but just hide those things and trust those things like Mary did when we told that she pondered all these things in her heart. And she kept them to herself until she goes to see Elizabeth. So we've, we've got to become those people who are capable of pondering things in their heart. It's not really John's particular forte because mine is to process everything out loud. But occasionally I keep it to myself and just say that I believe something. And I won't say anything more than that. And I think that's sometimes what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to just keep that between us and him. In this gospel lesson today, John 16, 1 to 15, Jesus is sort of telling the disciples that same thing until this time now. I, I've not told you all these things, but now that I'm getting ready to go away, I need to tell you some stuff. I need to give you some information you're going to need in the next little period of time. He says, I, I've told you everything in advance that I can to keep you from falling away. They're going to put you out of the synagogues. And in fact, they're, they're going to believe that in doing so, they've actually fulfilling mitzvot. They're doing things that are pleasing to God and offering service to Him. They're driving out heretics and blasphemers. That's what they're going to believe. And they'll do these things because they've not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So when these things happen, you'll remember that I told you. I'm telling you these things now. You don't see them now. These are things you can't see yet, but, but you will. He said, I didn't tell you these things before because it wasn't time to tell you that. You, you, you didn't need to know those things. And that's sometimes what we need to deal with and walking with God down that dark, lonely road. And that is, is that, that when there's a need to know, I'm going to show you. He says, you're, you're hearing these things. Sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it's your advantage, actually, for me to go away. If I don't go away, the helper won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you'll see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And it won't look that way. 
there's going to be that period of time at the crucifixion and thereafter until the resurrection when it's going to certainly look like that it's not the ruler of the world that's being judged. It's going to look like he's winning. And so there'll be this reversal of all things. He said, I've still got a lot of things to tell you, but you can't hear them right now. You're going to have to wait, and you'll wait until the spirit of truth comes. And then he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak, which is what Jesus did. And he'll declare to you the things that are to come. He'll make known all that stuff. But he'll glorify me, for he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. And so the Father will be glorified because the Son is glorified. The Son came to glorify the Father. And then he asked the Father to glorify him, and the Spirit will give glory to him. And that's the reason Jesus says, I believe, that it's this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that is the unforgivable sin because... You're blaspheming the Trinity when you say that. So he is defending the honor and giving glory to the the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit who is to come. And it's a powerful thing. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so this this Holy Spirit that they can't really fully imagine at this point, is going to come and lead them into all truth. And that Holy Spirit is also going to be the Spirit of God living in them, which is strength and power. And so here in that Acts lesson, remember they've healed the man at the beautiful gate, and then Peter went and proclaimed in Solomon's colonnade, he proclaimed the same message that he had proclaimed at Pentecost, and that is you put to death the author of life, but there's hope for you still. You just have to repent and believe and turn to him. And so Peter declares that same sermon once again there in Solomon's colonnade, and then what we're told is it's late in the day by then. Remember, it's like 3 o'clock when they go to the temple. All these events begin about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it says, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. The captain of the temple were the temple guards. They were the temple cops, essentially, and the Sadducees also came upon them greatly annoyed because they're teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. I think that last part particularly applies to the Sadducees because they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They believed that this life is all there is. There ain't no more. And so they come with them because they don't like this proclamation of the resurrection of the dead at all, and the rest don't like it being proclaimed in the name of Jesus. So they arrested him and put him in custody until the next day. We're going to keep you overnight because it's already evening. But what Luke tells us is many of those who had heard the word believed because they also saw the word proclaimed in the healing of the man. And the number of men came to about 5,000. And Peter's like the most successful preacher in the world except for Jesus at this point. I mean, people are coming to faith based on this same message. Peter's proclaiming day after day. It's the same thing. He's not got a different message. He's proclaimed the same one two different times. And enormous effect. Because these were people who had witnessed the crucifixion. They had witnessed these miracles. They knew. It's deeply convicting for them because they probably were part of the crowd that was yelling crucify him so now to hear that he's come back from the dead and to see miracles performed in his name would be deeply convicting that we've done something more horrible than we could ever have imagined or that anybody could have ever imagined that we would have done so the next day 
The rulers and the elders of scribes all gathered in Jerusalem with the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they set him in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what them in the midst, Peter and John, by what power or by what name did you do this? Uh Uh-oh. And at the same time, there's a double uh uh-oh. If they give the answer that's true, we've got one kind of a problem. But if Peter gives the answer that he gave the night of the trial, we've got a different answer. So the question is, which Peter's going to show up here? What are we going to get? The Peter who preached with boldness in the temple in, the, in Solomon's colonnade, or are we going to get the Peter from that night? We get a different Peter. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, <laughs> by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by his name, this man is standing before you well. Who in the world is this guy who denied to the chief priest's servant girl that he even knew Jesus, now stands before the entire council the entire Sanhedrin sitting there, and they're questioning him about what happened. And this guy spits in their face and said, Hey, that Jesus guy that you crucified, it's in his name and his power that this man is standing before you well. And oh, by the way, he was resurrected from the dead. He didn't stay in that tomb. It's a powerful change in a man to see Peter becoming the man that he thought he was, The man that he believed he was, now he is. But the important part is Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said these things to him. He's a different man because he has a different spirit. He has something new. The natural man wasn't able to do this. The natural man collapsed and caved in completely at the moment of questioning by soldiers and slave girls. And now he stands before the rulers of the people who put Jesus to death, and he has no fear. No fear at all because Jesus was raised from the dead and the Holy Spirit's been given. And now he's a new man. He's a man of great boldness. Because he sees the power of God's with him just like everybody there that watched that man be healed did. He saw that power come through him to that man for healing. And he knows something now. And that is death's not the final answer. I don't have that fear anymore. The fear I had that night, it's gone because I know about the resurrection of the dead. I've seen it. He says, so this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which become the cornerstone. Peter likes that image. He goes back to it a lot. Um, But he's preaching the same sermon. He's preaching the same sermon here that he preached the other two times. And he says, there's salvation in no one else. There's no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. This is a guy... (laughs) whose life has been utterly changed since the resurrection. Like I said, he was the man, he's now the man that he always thought he was and he always wanted to be. And here he now stands before those who managed to get Pilate to put Jesus to death and he's proclaiming Jesus and he has no fear. No fear of death, no fear of what they might do to him. Doesn't matter to him at all anymore because he knows the power of resurrection. He knows all I've got is Jesus. So I'm not going to fear you because you're not always going to be and Jesus will be. And I'm serving him with all my heart. 
today be a good day to pray that you receive that Holy Spirit of boldness that Peter did that day and allow God to make you the person Peter was.